You're listening to Key Conversations for Leaders. This is episode number 29. Welcome, everybody. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing building empowered teams with Joseph Young. We'll be talking about how to lead through relationships, not roles, getting into the zone at 30,000 feet, and creating a self-engaged workforce, and much, much more. Leadership is about vision. It's about creating a vision and sharing that vision with others in a way that inspires them to walk with you towards its fulfillment. And along the way, as leaders, we encourage, motivate, guide, and even challenge people to bring their best each and every day. And it's all done through conversations. That's what this show is about. Better conversations for better leaders. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Key Conversations for Leaders. I'm your host, John Ryan, and today we have a very special guest, Joseph Young. Joseph is a software solutions architect, founder and CEO of Cuvio Creative, a software design, branding, and marketing company, and they are a location-independent agency serving clients throughout the world. Welcome to the show, Joseph. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. You know, Joseph, I want to know if you wouldn't mind starting with, you know, just telling us a little bit about your story and how did you get started with Cuvio Created? How did that all come about? Oh, gosh. I mean, I could start all the way back to my childhood, um, as probably <laughs> can most people. Um, so as a child, I was a, uh, I was a self-taught piano player. That was kind of my entire childhood was built around music. Um, and one thing that I've kind of noticed over the years as, as I've done reflection about my life is that... Um, I feel like the the big pattern that I picked up there with uh, with music and with teaching myself how to play piano was that I was always just very fascinated in patterns in things that were beautiful and like oh this particular sequence of events that sounded really good I must have hit up on something and that just took me all the way through childhood because I was constantly fascinated and that became my passion and my motivation for for continuing with music. Um, then sort of my life took a turn and I became rebellious the last year of my high school and kind of lost all my scholarships and my kind of typical path. And uh, for whatever reason, ended up joining the military, joining the Air Force because I was interested in aviation and I wanted to do air traffic control. Um, unbeknownst to me, or maybe beknownst to me kind of unconsciously, air traffic control, the entire career is about patterns, right? It's about, you've got 30 planes flying in, how do you put them together in a particular way so that everybody's safe and that it flows well and, and things like that. And so I really, really enjoyed it. But that was also sort of my first foray into what does the adult life look like? And in the military taught me sort of, you know, in a, this is all that I knew, right? So it taught me, well, it looks like the adult life is just pure bureaucracy and a bunch of politics and people in charge that probably shouldn't be in charge because they've been there longer. And this weird sort of, you know, fixed hierarchy of power that like, unless you know, you know, powerful people yourself or you do good on tests, you're never going to be able to leverage your own talents in a way that will get you anywhere unless you spend 30 years there to try to get there, right? And so that kind of started you know, guiding my, my thoughts on things. Um, but the last half of, of my military career, I've spent completely overseas. I, I went to South Korea and then spent four years in Italy um, and did six months in, in Iraq as well. And every one of those places was at a Korean or Italian or Iraqi base. So it, we were working side by side with, with coworkers that were, you know, either military or civilian of that 
And this was sort of my first foray into, oh my gosh, now I have coworkers that are not in charge of me that don't have the same sort of power structure, but I, but we're working together. And in some cases I'm in charge, in some cases, you know, they're in charge. How do we, how do I interact in this situation? You know, if, if I'm in a leadership position, now that I have the ability to do something, uh, what do I do about it? And what was so interesting about it is that the best possible thing that always worked was also somehow the simplest. All I had to do was step back and let them give them the space to find their own path, right? And, and whatever it was that I had the power in that particular situation to do, all I, had, all I could do was give them the space to, to, to do that right? Which is basically the opposite of what most sort of managerial positions are, which is like dictate, dictate, dictate until you finally, you know, get your working uh, day to a point that is productive, right? According to the, you know, the managerial dictates. But in this case, it was like, that's not leading anywhere because it's just putting all of the onus of, of what the definition of productivity is on the very people who have stopped doing that job or who have never done that job in the first place, instead of putting it on, instead of just giving people the space to find their own path and to find their own talents and to really like hone themselves and figure out what they're passionate about and what they do best. And so I ended up with, with, uh, with this sort of topsy turvy relationship with, uh, with particularly uh, the Italians, which, because I was there for, for four years, that was completely different than most of my coworkers because most of them were sort of still in the mindset of we're Americans, we're going to come in and inject our culture and we're going to inject our things and, and, you know, it's our way and we're going to, you know, institute this kind of power structure. Um, and so at the same time that I was getting a lot of flack from the American side for like not doing, you know, the, the typical sort of power structure way, I was getting awards and things from the Italians who were saying, why can't more Americans act like this? Like, 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 like finally we figured out, we, we can, we feel like we are able to work successfully in our own country, in our own base without this kind of American oversight. Um, and so that taught me a lot. Um, then, you know, the next kind of phase was, um, I'm, I was done with the military, I was done with air traffic and I wanted to switch careers. And so I switched into software, which I had kind of dabbled with in, in my childhood. Um, same thing, right? So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to leave this power structure. There's never going to be politics again. All I have to do is just do my job well. And immediately I'll be in charge of a whole bunch of things. Right. So obviously that's not the way it works. Right. So, uh, but I, it's a dialed down level of the military, um, and so, so I spent a few years at a couple of jobs, just being a normal software developer and saw the same freaking patterns again, right? Which is, you've got a bunch of people in charge. Those people are dictating, you know, mission and, and, and values and all of these kind of arbitrary things. You've got a bunch of people that are doing the actual work, which is the majority of the company. And those people are just lost. Everybody is lost because they are... <laughs> They're in this weird space where they're, they're, they're waiting for middle management to tell them what to do, but also middle management has no idea how to tell them what to do. <laughs> and so they're just kind of stuck, right? And, and they, they get used to that. And, and, you know, I was in the same place. I got used to this notion of, well, if I can't find my own path, 
if I'm going to have to learn, you know, this weird, weird world of politics to find my own path, um, then, then I guess all that's, that, that, I, that I have to do is, you know, to just wait for middle management. And I guess the company is somehow surviving with a bunch of people who just have no, no real, you know, direction. Um, and finally, you know, long story short, I got frustrated with it enough that I realized that the only real way that I was going to be able to run the experiments that I wanted to run in, uh, in a company was to, was to break free from that and, and try to start my thing. And so that's what I did. And, you know, from the beginning we're, we, we've just tried to do everything kind of topsy turvy from the, from the, uh, the traditional way we've been hundred percent remote from the very beginning. And that's as of five years ago, um, we, we put in a 30 hour work week from the very beginning, all of these things that I was always constantly frustrated with, with my industry going, you know, 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week is, is common because they're trying to squeeze as much out of it as possible. Um, and so we just tried to do the opposite because I had this inkling that there was a combination of patterns that was completely opposite from what most people were doing um, that put together would actually work better than what most people were doing. And we're still here five years later. So that's, that's the story in a, in a, you know, in a, in a nutshell, I suppose. In a nutshell, there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate you weaving all those pieces together because they do. When you look at them, and they, and they certainly are reflected in your um, values as described on on your site. And I can see as you're telling the story, like, yeah, okay, this I can see how this comes in. And so thank you for sharing us that that history. Um, and there's so many different paths I want to go just based on that story alone. It, it's so fun. Even even the music connection, which is which is fascinating because life is patterns and the air traffic controller thing. I want I want to pause for a moment on the the doing the opposite. You know, I, I think it might have been Sam Walton who said, you know, strategy is doing the opposite of what everyone else does or something mm -hmm. to that extent. And and if it's not right, someone let me know yeah. <laughs> who actually said that. <laughs> but but it sounds like you're taking that idea to do the opposite. So instead of 60, you're doing 30. Mm -hmm. That one would look at that and say, well, that's 25%, you know, reduction in productive hours. But I'm guessing the difference is, is that you're making it up in terms of engagement yes. and that people are bought in. Is is that, yeah, how does that work from a productivity perspective, the whole that, hour thing? That's exactly the paradox, right? And so uh, you're starting to see companies, I feel like, uh, there, there was there was a big study in Japan of of a few companies who tried to do this, like jump down to a thirty hour work week, and they they actually had productivity measures that they were measuring, and they saw a, like a forty percent increase in productivity, with a twenty five percent decrease in hours, and I think what that is all pointing to is um, that what we have lost sight of is the balance between our work and our life and that our brains can only do so much. And our brains are powerful and they're beautiful and they, they're able to find you know, beautiful things and we're able to chase our, 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 our visions, um, but only if we're given the space to. And um, us being in a creative uh, industry um, rather than, you know, but I mean, I feel like this applies to even non-creative industries as well. Um, the most important thing time and time again is that when it is time for us to solve a really hard problem, we are all in a good enough headspace that we can actually solve that problem in the best possible way, rather than just solve the problem in, in, you know, in a quick shortcut way to say that it's solved and to get the money for it. Um, 
that just does not last. I mean, it just doesn't. And so um, the, the, you know, it just goes back to that paradox of, like you said, doing the opposite, right? Giving the space and then just seeing what happens. And what happens is for people, life starts coming first, but now that life starts coming first, when they do come to work, it is a conscious choice for them to be there. And then, and now that work is kind of secondary to their life, now they get the space to find, well, what is it that I wanna, I wanna contribute to? Like, where, where do my passions guide me? And then when that starts happening, then the best possible thing you can do is just get out of the way, right? And, and, and allow for that, that, that space, right? It's just all about space. Most people are trying to control that space, but you have to do the opposite, right? Give it away. Do that, do that paradoxical thing that doesn't make sense from a you know, total hours of productivity mindset and realize that we're all human beings, right? And that, that the vast majority probably of the products that you are building as a business or the services you're offering, the value comes from that 1% you know, of eureka moments that happen when people are in those, those particular kinds of headspaces. And when you have an entire team that is just doing eureka moment after eureka moment after eureka moment, it stops mattering that they're not working 60 hours a week, right? So um, there, there is a light at the end of that tunnel and, and that light even makes sense if all you're looking at is the finances or the hours or, or, or anything like that, you just have to trust that process and, and, and wait for it to get there and wait for kind of the culture and the mindset to, to reset. And then suddenly you're in a completely different world. Well, I can, I can see all those pieces really coming together in terms of you have the individual, you have the environment, the demands of the workplace does the values, the mission, and the vision, do they still come into play to set the direction for the team? Is that, is that still important in, in your type of workspace? Um, it is. Um, it's, it's funny, just, just probably three weeks ago, right? We're five years into Cuvio, and just three weeks ago, we had a team-wide, let's figure out mission and values and vision. It wasn't from the very beginning, like, this is my vision and I'm going to dictate it. And, you know, and let's let's put a bunch of posters on the wall that say, you know, customers are always right. Um, <laughs> there's there. Uh, I feel like it does. Um, it does guide the culture, but I feel like this is another one of those things that I feel like people get opposite because they instead of dictating the culture that you build naturally should reveal your mission and vision. And the perfect example of this is um, I, I, I kind of started realizing uh, two or three years into Cuvio that um, even though we bill ourselves as a software design company or, or a marketing company, um, we kind of in the same way that, you know, you, you hear that Amazon is not a books company, they're a logistics company, and McDonald's is not a food company, they're a real estate company. And, and there's a kind of an interior thing. Um, we are not any of those things. So those, are, those products are not us. What we are is a process company. And so from the very beginning, our pure focus internally has been on running experiments to get that process right, to figure out the, the actual way to get out of people's way and let people's talents 
shine so that the combination of all of our talents can produce those beautiful things. Um, and, and just constantly, I mean, you know, I can rattle off a billion different experiments that we've run in the past two months to, to constantly continue to hone that process and figure out like, okay, this didn't work. Let's run a different experiment. Okay. This didn't work. Let's run a different experiment and just keep that going because the secondary thing that comes out of that is the beautiful products that, 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 that we make. It's kind of like the Simon Sinek, you know, you start with the, the, the why yes. rather than the what, and yes, that exactly. why emerged organically. And, and it sounds like it was clarified in the last few weeks when you're doing that mission values, vision kind of clarification, would you mind kind of walking us through a little bit of the process you use to, to come up with that clarification of your direction? Uh, yeah. So we, so, uh, we got the team together and, um, uh, and, uh, our, uh, and a couple of people led this, but one of the very first, we basically all jumped onto a Zoom and we had breakout sessions for different activities that we that we ran. Um, and and uh, for example, one of the breakout sessions was, here's a whole bunch of adjectives. Let's let's go through this list of adjectives and see what resonates with us. Like, you know, and it's like, are you agile? Are you adaptable? Are you this? Are you that? You know, and rank those adjectives and then kind of come back from the breakout rooms and figure out what everybody's adjectives were. Um, this was a perfect example of the mission being revealed because what was interesting is that everybody was picking the same adjectives, right? Like everybody with their own paths, you know, our marketing team and our software team and our design team, all basically completely different industries are all picking the same basic adjectives when it comes to the mission that we're trying to accomplish. And it was never about me, 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 me. Um, we all just sort of naturally had this inkling of like, our mission is not, you know, to be the best company ever, you know, and all those kinds of things. It was, it was purely about defining what it was that we wanted to do to help our clients and to help our customers and to do it in the best possible way so that they could potentially get just a little piece of that space and that 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 alignment and that kind of process that we got that we've sort of built so that we could give a piece of that to them and instead of it feeling like a client relationship now it just feels like they're part of us and we're part of them and we're working on something together and we have aligned talents right they have a particular industry expertise that we don't have they might have funding that we don't have they have you know they have connections that we don't have but we have everything else that wraps that and, and the combination of those two things are just a group of people coming together to combine their talents and build something new, you know, where the money comes from, where the talents come from is irrelevant to that equation. And I feel like that's something else that people get wrong. And so, so it just was a series of activities like that. It was, it was, you tell us, you know, and, and we'll tell you because we're all sort of on the same, on the same, um, uh, flat surface. Um, what you think Kuvio is like, where, where do your passions align? What, where, what do you see has been the, 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 the Eureka moments that you've encountered or that you've seen others encounter that you want to perpetuate? Um, and, uh, and it led to this, just this kind of general idea that we, we all feel like we're on the right path to defining what the next generation of work could be like. And so our mission kind of at the, at the top line is 
to basically take those ideas and try to start imparting them into organizations that 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 do have culture issues that do have productivity issues that do have and and become through our execution through our expertise and through all of our hard work become sort of the guiding the guiding lights for that new idea to say listen you can build a sustainable company you don't have to just you know live off of loans and live off of runway and be you know never profitable and think that's a you know a sustainable company you can build a 200 year company still in 2020 and but what you have to do is follow those paradoxes and give them the space to 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 do the magic that they do well that certainly sounds bigger than we're a software company and a marketing company and, and and one thing you said a moment ago which i want to get into you mentioned that we're a very flat organization and i love how these ideas are not just ideas these are principles by which you run the business you're working less and you're getting increased productivity because of that engagement and one of the things i thought was really fun is is on your your website um on the about page where you have the team listed there uh first thing i noticed was that that your picture is not at the top a lot of time it's like you know here's the ceo the founder and then here's everyone else and, and you guys are living that but not only that when i went back to to check it out later on to read more about about cuvio your picture was you know moved but someone else's was at the top and then I refreshed the page at least maybe 10, 12 times, and yeah. your picture never came to the top. And, and is that, that sounds like that must have been intentional by design. Yes, it was intentional. And the funny thing is you were the first person um, to, to <laughs> notice it. It was basically like an Easter egg that I put in that defined something for me. Um, and the story is like every, you know, every company that I've ever worked for, you go to their website, and the only pictures of people that you see are the CEO, the CTO, and the CMO, and some board members, right? You know, mm -hmm. all white guys, of course. And 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 where's the actual company, right? Like, where are, like, the company is not those three people. You know, the company is the other five thousand, right? Like, you are three, and they are five thousand. And and uh, people have like most corporations have gone so far now as to hard code that power structure into we are the company right we are the public face of the company um and pretend that their three or five or ten people outweighs the other five thousand and and that's what that was in response to because i wanted to make clear that i am not at the top like i am i am i just have a different role to play the role that i that, that sort of ignites my passions is to keep the 100,000 foot view so that everybody else doesn't have to keep that view, right? And to inject like, okay, here's a pattern that I see because here's all the ingredients of things that are going on. And like, maybe if I can inject some things, you know, some ingredients that other people didn't recognize that might be part, that might contribute to a conversation. But I never dictate and I never say, no, this is the way that we need to go because that's just what my talent is. Is uh, And then on the software side, I'm an architect by nature, which is the same thing, you know, 100,000 foot view. But it's no better or worse or different or higher or lower than anybody else on the team. It's just a different job. And most people get that wrong. Like they put an organizational chart that represents a hierarchy of communication, but they conflate that with um, a hierarchy of control. 
and they say like, you know, if, if, if all of the vision comes from the founder or the CEO, then he must also have the power to dictate where, where the company goes in response to that vision. And that's where people get it wrong. No, all I can do is preach the vision and hope that people latch onto it. And if they latch onto it, hope that they do something interesting with it. That's it. That's my entire job, you know? And it, it's a lot easier than the jobs that I feel like others are playing um, in similar roles where they are, you know, both trying to communicate and to dictate when the communication falls flat. Well, well a couple of things that, that you're saying are kind of jumping out to me. One, that, that detail on the about page, I thought that was phenomenal because how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. And so you truly live in the values of that. So very cool and, and great to hear that. The 100,000th of view goes even all the way back to the air traffic controller position because <laughs> you, you can't focus on any one object on the screen. You got to be looking at the whole field which is what I imagine you must do as the chief solutions architect in that matter. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask you a quick question on sure. the air traffic controller issue? Because of course, that fascinates me. You know, in, in peak performance, which is one of the things that, that I study and help clients with, um, there, there's a state of being in the zone. When you're doing your job back in the day, and it's been a while now, when you're looking at all those pieces of information coming together if you focus on the weeds you lose the picture that's a very dangerous situation yeah. do you have to be like literally get into detail like a peripheral vision like seeing it all in at an unconscious level like how do you manage that moment to moment what to pay attention to and that and as of course a metaphor for running your business too yeah yeah, yeah. um so it's interesting because um you know, I've never thought about it from that perspective, but just talking through the 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 the, the concepts of air traffic, um, it always felt like um, so. Yes, you do need to be in that zone. You know, once especially once traffic gets to a point that you know you have to simplify and abstract it away to a pattern that makes sense, instead of thinking that these are all giant hunks of metal moving towards you at 200 miles an hour and towards each other, right? You have to kind of get away from that. But in a, in a, in a lot of ways, um, that zone was always reactive because um, in, in a split second, everything can change, right? And so it was, it was, you know, I mean, it could be adrenaline driven or, or driven by like, okay, we have a problem that we have to solve for. And we only have one way to get it right because these planes are not going to stop midair, right? They're going to, they're going to keep moving forward. And that, that is the pressure of getting into the zone at the right, at the perfect time. Um, it's interesting because uh, thinking about that, um, you know, nobody can be in the zone for eight hours a day. And there are tons of books that are written, you know, about getting into flow and, you know, in the psychology of it. And, and everybody's sort of chasing this idea of how do I just get in the zone where I can just crank out beautiful, you know, things all the time. Um, but then uh, th what's interesting, and I don't have an answer to this, but I'm starting to try and figure out what the balance is here. Um, there are also there's also the reactive side of it, the deadline driven side of it, right? There's the, you know, I just spent this weekend specifically focused on for the first time in a very long time, a particular project that had a client instituted deadline of today because the deadline was impending. That was the only thing that got me to reprioritize and to put that focus on that because the deadline was there. Um, but at the same time, I'm not a belief. I hate the concept of deadlines. I feel like there's there's something 
just still too shallow about the idea of deadlines, even though they work so well psychologically. I feel like what they're actually doing is just resetting priorities. And, and I'm, a, I'm a big believer in, in if you can get yourself or in your company to a space where instead of being deadline driven, you just have one queue of things that everybody is doing and that queue is prioritized and constantly reprioritized and constant and you know and just constantly groomed then the best possible thing that your company can be doing is the thing at the very top and once that thing is done you do the next thing and once that thing is done you do the next thing and it's as simple as that and that is where you get the best possible value but we live in a world of deadlines right and so what i've been thinking about lately is how do we how do we balance those two things like why do deadlines work so well psychologically and what is the inner guidance of that sort of reactive nature of you know being productive and getting your work done against this backdrop of wanting to have the space for our creative sides to create the best possible thing right every person that writes a novel gets hounded by their publisher until they're done writing the novel right but it wasn't the best possible thing but the corollary is would you have ever finished that novel if your publisher wasn't hounding you you know and in most cases it's probably no right you'll you'll go to your deathbed with an 80 percent done novel that you were never able to finish so i'm very curious about that it's 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 to me that's a paradox that i haven't quite figured out yet but i uh but it's interesting that i, I want to think some more on the reactivity of air traffic and of other things like that uh as it relates to more deadline driven kind of getting into the zone and getting into the flow of things. Well, it's a fascinating topic for sure. And George R. R. Martin, creator of Game of Thrones, right? He's still not done with the next <laughs> yeah. book, right? The series exactly. is done. And he's like, I'm working on perfecting that one page per day pace that he has right now. So <laughs> the ideal is obviously to be in the flow, to be in the zone and, and go and have that list of the cue that you said, doing the next, the next one, next one. Um, and that's based on the importance and urgency, right? That's the two dimensions that we yeah. typically use. And that's determined by our values. You are right that that external deadline, it shifts the priorities. It's not yeah. more important. It just becomes more urgent. urgent. So is that the best place to have creative work? Probably not. No, but but, not. but the volume increases. But then if you have volumes of not good stuff, then then that's, that's a tough situation to be in too. Right. Um, so in, in terms of managing that, again, it sounds like the reactive piece that I see coming in, tying that back together with air traffic control, is that you have the flight plan, you know what you want to do, and there are situations where the, the world changes and you have to respond to that. This weekend, you had to reprioritize. That's a reactionary thing, but it's a strategic thing. You have to do it based on the demands of your environment. How do you keep your employees, your team focused on the bigger picture? Because you said you started fully independent, uh, location independent, right? So fully virtual, doing less work. Is there a need for engagement like initiatives or is it self-sustaining? Are you just hiring great people who are self, you know, engaged, I suppose? Um, it is, so all of the cultural um, sort of lessons that we have figured out over the years and experiments that we have run have made, um, our team self-engaging um, to to a degree that um, you know no other company that at least I've worked in and most other companies that that I interact with now 
you know, have just never, never uh, had. And that's what obviously makes me believe in, in the idea of, of the processes that we're trying to build. The, um, the, the other side of that though, is that there's never perfection, right? There's always a, a new thing that could maybe push that just a little bit further. That thing always tends to be people like me pulling back a little bit further and disengaging, you know, from, from the things that I was traditionally engaging in and letting those things take on a life of their own. Um, I think that's one of the, that's one of the sort of tenets of growing a business anyway, right? Like the more hats that you have to give away, you have to figure out how to give those hats away. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, we, I also have to look backwards every now and then and realize that even though we're, 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 we're still on a path forward, still trying to figure things out. Our, I mean, I think we ran, we ran some numbers a few weeks ago and uh, just on the software side, um, our velocity is somewhere between five and 10 times what the industry standard velocity is. And we're able to charge 70%, 60% of what everybody else is charging right? Because they're dealing in the world of waste and in the world of, oh, I have three giant corporations who are paying trillions of dollars to get basically nothing from a bunch of people working 70 hours a week producing basically nothing because they don't have the space to, to operate into, in, in, in the best possible way that they need to operate. Um, and so, you know, it's a complicated answer to, 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 to that question, but, uh, but, but I mean, yes, long story short, we're leaps and bounds above most other companies, but there's always, you know, there's always a, a more perfect place to be. And I feel like that road is never going to end, right? Like there's always an, another step to make on that journey um, to, to really self-actualization, right? To finding the way to have a self-actualizing group of individuals that are all aligned to a common mission. Um, is just really something that 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 that's you know it's just one of my dreams that I'm going to be chasing probably till the day I die. Well, you certainly have a lot of passion for what you're doing, the 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 processes that you guys are going through, and are willing to experiment and and try what works. Have, have you ever had uh, someone come on board of the team? Who, who wasn't a fit and had to kind of work to, to get them bought in? Or is that something you were able to weed out, you know, in the hiring process? Um, so this is, this is also interesting. Um, <laughs> somehow, and, and this speaks to also just, you know, us doing the opposite. Um, almost to a person, the hiring process basically involves um, you know, a short discussion that's like, what are your passions? You know, what are you interested in Could, to kind of gauge their jadedness, you know, their, their level of, you know, how far deep into the weeds are they? Um, or, or, you know, is there any passion that we can latch onto? Um, and if I, and if we see that spark, that's all it takes to us, right? We see the spark and we're like, we don't even maybe know what you're going to do for, for for us or how it could be aligned, but we're very interested in where the company goes if you're part of it. And so then we bring them on. And then what happens is, uh, um, especially depending on, um, you know, how many more traditional roles that they had, they have if to a person, you know, a probably three to six month adjustment period that involves, I mean, things is like 
almost everybody for weeks at a time will ghost us, just disappear, not have any idea what to do because they're all of a sudden in this environment where it's like, I don't know, go look for something and figure out what you, what you want to do. You know, like we'll show you our projects and see what you're interested in. And like, if you're interested in something, we'll, we'll send you there, but like not being told what to do, but instead being in an environment where it's suddenly you have both this power and this responsibility and just figuring out kind of how to work in that environment is, is very jarring seemingly for, for a lot of people. But once, once that happens, um, and, and they kind of go, okay, I think I've got this figured out. They're here for, I mean, for life. There is not, I mean, I hesitate to say a hundred percent cause I'm probably forgetting a story, but it's close to that. Um, every single person that I've ever hired is still here. No matter when I've hired them, they're all still here and they're all still insanely happy and they're all still insanely productive. Uh, and, and. And I feel like that speaks to something that we're doing right. Um, so, you know, I guess to answer your question, it's not about like, I feel like if we had unlimited money, we could, we could approach anybody on any street and say, what's your passion and find a place for them at Kuhio. We're never going to have unlimited money, right? And so the next best thing that we can do is hopefully empower other organizations to take on some of that load and find different ways of hiring and stop with the power structure of hiring, right? Like the best interviewer, the, the you know, if you have really good interviewing skills and, you know, play those kind of politics, you're not, you're not going to be hiring the, the, the kinds of people who are going to be delivering the best value for your company. Um, but you're also not going to be doing that until you figure out a way to give them the space to deliver that value. Um, and, and that's the more important thing, right? Give, if, if you give somebody the space and you, and you, as a company who has, you know, thousands of times more assets than that individual person, it is your job as a company to be the one in that relationship that is giving the space and is giving the resources and is giving everything possible. Right. Um, in the hopes that 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 person will take that space and take those resources and give back, right? That's the par- That's the beautiful paradox of the universe. Is if you don't, if you just take that second hop and first give and first trust and be patient, that will always come back to you tenfold. Um, in relation to those that are just chasing the money or just chasing the productivity and just chasing, you know, uh, the the bottom line. Wow. One, it becomes immediately obvious or very deeply obvious that you care about everyone in your organization <laughs> and, and humanity at, at large. So that's good to hear that, that you're not jaded <laughs> in our in our turbulent times that we're living in right now. But but a couple of things that jumped out to me. One, you said it goes back to the patterns, the patterns. So if I can find that where they're passionate somewhere in their life. I know we can tap into that on the larger vision. So you're looking for that pattern. We're also giving them space. That had to have been a really kind of interesting experience the first time you notice that your employee is ghosting you because they're <laughs> in and like they don't know what to do because they're not being micromanaged. And you're like, manage yourself, figure it out. And I know it's not as distancing as that. 
but you're really then taking on that responsibility because of that care that's that's inside of it, which again is the paradoxical leadership approach, which is very millennial and socially conscious as well. So, so thank you for being a role model and example for that. How important, you know, I'm a big believer in conversations. How important are, are conversations in, in, in Cuvio and, and what you guys do as a company? Oh, I mean, communication is everything, right? So, so, um, and, you know, from the very beginning, starting out purely virtual, we, we really didn't have a rule book on how to solve that problem, but that seemed to be the problem, you know, communication and discipline are always the two big problems when people are like, I don't want to work remote, or I don't want to like, you know, take my company remote, because how are we going to communicate? What about the 30 seconds, you know, that, that those two people might need to spend talking to each other in a physical environment, just in, you know, uh, that's worth them commuting here for eight hours a day, just on the off chance that they have to have, to have that conversation. So we had to figure those things out. Um, and of course we run experiments. Um, and of course our bread and butter is Slack, you know, 95% of our communication is probably Slack based. Um, but, but um, I think what's more important to me is the, <laughs> the, the, the nature of the communication. Um, a lot of the the sort of breakdowns in communication always seem to me to happen when um, there's a power dynamic, right? When it's like, you know, there's a deadline. I told you to do this deadline. You didn't do it. What what now? You know, and then it kind of devolves into that sort of middle manager to worker uh, sort of communication. At Cuvio, the culture that we're trying to obviously propagate is every single person is an expert in their own right. And that every communication that we have with anybody should defer to that other person's natural expertise in the pieces that they are contributing to that conversation. And that sort of act of, I guess, global deference um, has that, again, paradoxical effect of also empowering you as as the other side of that communication, when you see that deference to you, it's like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, like, well, this is what I think I would do in this situation. And that deference is the thing that empowers both sides, right? And, and so that's what we focused on is, is, is trying, to, trying to kind of guide everybody to realizing that, that every single person on the team has a unique, really specific role. Uh, to play. Um, I've gone so far as to think, uh, and I'm still trying to fight this battle because it's extra weird, but um, um, I've, I've like, I have this idea of making everybody a director of something because I don't like, we have, you know, six people who are director of something, right? Like architecture design, I'm director of, you know, architecture. Um, but following the line of trying to be a flat organization, um, I like the idea, I like the word director better than I like, you know, there are other companies like banks do this a lot. Some software companies have started doing this where everybody's a VP of something, mm-hmm. but what does it even mean to be a president, right? Or a vice president? I like the executory nature of, of being called a director. And I feel like that's very related to what we do. And I feel like we, every single person, if given some time to reflect, could be like, you know what? this is the thing that I feel like I contribute to uniquely. And, and, and they are already the director of that thing um, without even knowing it. Um, and so, you know, stay tuned for, <laughs> for a company full of directors uh, if, if I have my way. Um, but just that general idea, right, is, 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 is one that I really believe in. 
would that be similar to your values clarification that as people stay for a period of time that eventually they come up with their own title? Yes. Every, yeah. And we're already implementing that. Um, the last few people that we've hired, we're like, whatever you want to put on LinkedIn, that's fine. We are not hiring you for your title. We're hiring you for you. You find your title and take as long as you need to find that. And it can change, right? But, um, you know, but that title still also hones and it, and it, uh, and it allows people to sort of define, you know, oh, this is who I go to. This is what this person is passionate about. And especially if that title ends up aligning with their passions, then off they go, right? And, and the best possible way to do that is to let them define their own. I love it. Awesome. Joseph, thank you so much for sharing about Cuvio and you and your path and your philosophy and the emerging experiments that you, you have going on at your organization. What's the best way for people to find out more about Cuvio and, and you and the team that you have over there? Uh, sure. So our website is www.kuv.io. Um, which I'm very proud of. We 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 got a, a you know a year into it. I was I was very surprised that we got that. Here's my cat. Um, but uh, and uh, then f- as far as me directly, you can just email me directly at joseph at cuviocreative.com. Um, I my email box is open for any kinds of conversations about literally anything. I love having conversations with people uh, and. Um, and I know that I and we don't have all the answers. And so we need everybody else's help to help us figure out what the next way of work is, um, especially now. Um, and so, you know, my box is open and I'm happy to chat. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. All right. Thank you. And thank you all for listening and watching. And until next time, develop yourself, empower others, and lead by example. Thanks for listening to Key Conversations for Leaders with your host, John Ryan. If you enjoyed the show, please let us know. Give us a rating or write a review. For more tools to engage, inspire, and empower yourself and others, visit keyconvo.com slash free. If you haven't already, you can connect with me on Twitter at keyconvo and on LinkedIn under John Ryan Leadership.